Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Cooling, and Liam, how you doing? All good, thanks mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Slight, slightly chaotic weekend, um, but yeah, it was, it was felt nice to get some back to some normality this week. Um, how, how was your Dynasty week? Uh, let's not talk about my Dynasty week. If we can talk about my redrafts, I'm doing extremely <laughs> well in my redrafts. Uh, I think I'm in the playoffs in all but one of my uh, non-best ball redraft leagues. Lovely. And then uh, Dynasty-wise, I may as well just be... Um, Rebuilding in every single one <laughs> this week was awful. Um, yeah. Kyler Murray being out, confirmed out, um, really hurt me because I wasn't around to take him out of about four lineups. Ouch. Um, so, not, good. not a good yeah. when your quarterback one gets confirmed out. Yeah, it was a ho- horrible week this week, wasn't it? I um, So, I won in my two home leagues and I, I got a win in Scott Fishbowl. Um, but yeah, my dynasty league, it was my first losing week in terms of total um, wins, losses humble across all my leagues of the season. Yeah, not perhaps not so humble. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, 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 a t- was a tough week. I mean, any week when, you know, all the studs basically don't turn up, it's, uh, it's going to be painful, isn't it? Um, but just to remind everybody, um, so support for the Five Yard Dynasty podcast is brought to you by Manscaped the best in the men's below the waist grooming uh we've got an exclusive offer for you um if you use the code five yard you'll get 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping um we've also got another exciting um free roll with fan team on sunday for the red zone contest so tune in uh, on thursday to the dfs live stream and podcast They'll be uh, setting it all up, but I think we had twelve hundred entries last yeah. last week. How how did you get on them? Oh, why did you keep doing this? Rich? <laughs> I just said my week wasn't good. Um, I came somewhere in the nine hundred range. It was not not a good week yeah. for me. Uh, yeah. None of my receivers did pretty did did well at all. So yeah, if it makes break down my score. If it makes you feel better, my uh, my fan team week was absolutely dreadful. It was my it was my second ever week doing DFS, and after week one, I, I think I was four hundred and fifty percent up. And I was thinking this DFS stuff's easy. Why does everyone say it's so hard? And then yeah, I, I basically lost everything this week. It was yeah, some somewhat painful and uh, a, a bounce back to reality. Um, but Liam, we have got two very exciting giveaways because we've hit one thousand followers on Twitter. Um, did you want to talk us through and explain to us or to the people what the uh, what the giveaways are going to be? Yeah, so um, I know that some joker out there is going to hear that and unfollow us now. So we go back to nine ninety nine. Um, <laughs> but this we've we've got two. We've decided to do two. Um, so to try and get a bit more engagement on the live stream because uh, we had a bit of engagement a couple of weeks ago and we both enjoyed it and realized that we don't actually talk to people live that often and um, if you ask any question 
this week uh, through the live chat. So that's either on YouTube, on Twitter, or on Facebook. Um, so we'll be going till about nine o'clock. Um, so you don't have to ask your question now. You can wait and wait for the section that you want to come up. But um, if you ask us any question or interacts with us in any way, we'll be drawing from that list of people that do interact with us. Um, and we'll be giving away a Dynasty roster review. So that will be both myself and Rich will look at one of your Dynasty rosters. We'll do a little write-up and give our opinions. Um, if you tell us whether you want to rebuild or contend or, or what you want to do with it, um, we'll give our best opinions on that, or whether you should be doing that or looking at a different route. So um, please interact with us. Um, just in case anyone comes on the stream late, I'll drop a little banner at the bottom. Then for our big our big um, giveaway this week, this is one we've talked about quite a bit. Um, I know we had this set up for a couple of weeks ago. So myself and Rich will be buying one person a five-yard rush T-shirt. Of course, the one week I don't actually have a five-yard rush T-shirt on. I've got the FFCC one on today. Um, we'll be giving away any five yard rush t-shirt that they want from the five yard rush shop so go on have a look on there then we'll ship it out to you if you're in the us um that might be a little bit different we'll have to have a little discussion on what you want to do with that because shipping might be really expensive we'll have to have a look i think i think all, what we'll say is uk will we'll ship it for free internationally we'd ask for a contribution towards shipping well there you go but to enter that, um, by the six o'clock games on Sunday, you need to DM the Five Yard Dynasty accounts so at Five Yard Dynasty. Um, and you need to just tell us what the cocktail of the week was this week. Now, Rich, so I drum, think drum roll, please. Perfectly into the next segment. What's, it's not what's a pink the cocktail of the week? It's not a pink one. I've got oh, a lemon like bonbon. Like um, stole one of my uh, girlfriend's. Uh, passion fruit martini glasses so um lemon bonbon all it is is lemon cello butterscotch syrup vodka and lemonade i've used vanilla syrup and um, vanilla vodka in it but feel free to add in any other um syrups or anything you want in there but yeah it does taste nice i'm not going to take a sip because i had one just before the uh before the show started <laughs> gonna, be, gonna be half cut by the end of the show yeah it's a little bit stronger uh, on, on the alcohol front so i don't want to down it too quickly fantastic well if you start slowing your words by the end of the show we all know why um so diving straight in then liam the highest scorers on the week did you want to give us a, a whistle stop tour through that yeah so as usual four point touchdowns for quarterbacks and his ppr for all other positions no tight end premium so start of the quarterback position, Rich. Lamar, Justin Herbert, and Matt Ryan. I think the surprise there for me is Matt Ryan at the top, um, in the top three for the first time in this season at least. Um, I can't remember the last time he was a top three quarterback in any week. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Calvin Ridley finally, you know, out, out for a prolonged period of time and suddenly starts producing, but that that Falcons offense has finally worked out that Cordaro Patterson and Cole Pitts are movable pieces and you know they can dictate personnel groupings on defense because of those two and it's it's opened up that offense. I'm very excited to see, you know, what it does for the rest of the year. Um I'm very excited to see if if they do get Calvin Ridley back in a couple of weeks, what what that offense could look like. Yeah. So moving on to the running back position, we had a bunch of high scorers this week, but James Connor um, Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb all scored really well this week. There's the top three. The one I wanted to highlight really was Jonathan Taylor. And I know you want to speak to him, speak about him as well. I didn't think anyone was going to beat him as the running back one this week after he scored 34 points. I think it was 33, 34 points um, against the Jets, your beloved Jets. Um, the, the only thing I also want to say is the fact that Naeem Hines also scored 20 points, so that backfield alone scored 50-odd points. That, that's yeah, let's, let's just say the uh, the Jets' linebacker core um, isn't exactly covering itself in glory this year. No, so moving on to the wide receiver position, 
this is what you wanted to talk about, Rich. The only reason we come on the pod every week is so you can talk about some Jets player that's broken out. <laughs> so Elijah Moore with an insane game on uh, on Thursday night football, Friday morning for us. Devonta Smith came in wide receiver two, and Keenan Allen the wide receiver three position. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's doubly uh, pleasing, isn't it, when I get to talk about Elijah Moore? He was he was my pre-draft darling. Um, and then, yeah, has uh, obviously landed on the Jets. And I was I was somewhat nervous because it's like when you fall in love with a player before the draft and then your team drafts them, it's like, oh, my God, if, if they're terrible, it's going to be doubly painful. But look, he's he's been hinting at it. He's been, you know, highlighting, sort of flashing throughout the season so far. He's, he's not sort of put it all together. Not a fantastic kind of raw numbers. You know, only 15% target share. A odds were less than 100 um, but anytime you're catching two touchdowns, it's always going to uh, boil your fan- fantasy points weak, isn't it? Um, I do think this is a guy that's, you know, has got the potential to be a, a wide receiver one in the NFL team. I think his ceiling is, you know, something like a Jonte Johnson, you know, a guy that can get open at will, that can be a movable piece, line up on the slot, line up out wide, um, and can. You know, I, I hate using the, the term that sort of alpha wide receiver one because people say alpha and it's got to be, you know, six foot four and runs a four four forty. <laughs> but to me, uh, a wide receiver one is a guy that can lead the team in targets and produce. And I really believe that Elijah Moore can be that moving forward. And I wouldn't be shocked if next year Elijah Moore's the, the target leader for the, for the Jets in, in what I'm hoping is a, an improving offence next year. Yeah, I, I like Elijah Moore a lot. Uh, pre-draft, I just want what you said for, for my wide receiver crush of the uh, draft, Amari Rogers. I want him <laughs> to prove everyone wrong at the moment because he's not really been involved so far. Ne- negative fancy points this week, wasn't it? Didn't he have a fumble and, and no uh, no other points? Right, or... let, let's move on to the tight end position then, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pat Fryermuth. George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, uh, top three this week. And I know you wanted to mention Darren Waller as the tight end four. Um, yeah. It, it, are we getting it, back to normal? Well, it felt like, you know, I teed it up. It was going to be normal service resumed, you know, the, the elite three tight ends back at tight end one, two, three, and then Pat Frymuth, you know, decides to catch two touchdowns on, on Monday <laughs> night football and kind of ruins it. But, yeah, I think, look, George Kittle showed – He's a you know true stud once once healthy, and I think you know Travis Kelsey had a fairly poor game. Like he, I still don't think he looks fully healthy. I, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is fully healthy. If I'm being honest, um, I don't but, know what's going on with that Chiefs offense because it did not look good against us. We no, it's, um, uh, we, we took away the deep option to Hill a lot, and there were a couple of throws where I thought Mahomes were going to take Kelsey underneath for an easy 10 to 15, maybe 20 yards. And he tried to lob it up to Hardman or Hill on, on a deeper route. And I just don't think that decision-making is there now that teams have figured out if they take away the deep option, Mahomes um, doesn't really want to go anywhere else. I think for me, watching Sunday, it's, I think it's an accuracy issue. And I, and that's why I said I wonder if Patrick Mahomes isn't fit, whether he's got this, you know, he had the toe injury and, and I wonder if that's potentially still lingering around because, you know, it, he's missing on throws that he doesn't normally miss on. And I think that that for me is is the biggest question mark, is that, yes, some, something's not right. They're missing that third playmaker you know, obviously it was Sammy Watkins. He was never going to be a stud for fantasy purposes, but it was still an option that defense had, had to respect to look at. him. Yeah, you had to respect and, him know, over the top. Josh Josh Gordon's not even close to that, and they've got no one else. You know, McCall Hardman's never turned into anything, and I just think that it's basically teams realise if you take away those two, and I don't think Mahomes is, as I said, has, has got that elite accuracy at the moment. I, you know, he don't get me wrong; he's still got the arm talent that he can fire the ball in anywhere across the field. But I think there's there's something there, whether it's that he can't plant his feet, can't follow through properly. There's, it's just, I think there's there's potentially a little niggly injury that he's carrying that we that we don't know about at the moment. So moving on to the significant news, and Pat Mahomes is not on the significant news this week, and um, so 
I'm just going to whiz through a couple and then jump in when you want, Rich, as usual. But breaking news as of a couple of hours ago, as of recording on Tuesday night, Nick Chubb and Dimitri Felton have both tested positive for COVID-19. So they will be going on the um, COVID-19 reserve list. That means it's Dionis Johnson's backfield completely. Um, yeah, so I think they if they can produce is five days and two negative tests isn't it so if I mean, they're vaccinated yes yeah so if they're vaccinated realistically there's, there's an outside chance personally I'd, having, having had covid i think getting two negative tests within what we five days away now um it's going to be some turnaround so I, I think as you said it's probably the Ernest johnson's backfield for the week which is um very interesting to see after they uh they absolutely manhandled the bengals up front on sunday I don't think there has been an instance where there has been two pos- uh, two negative tests within five days of each other after a positive um, this season. So it's worth picking up Deionis Johnson in any league that he's still on the waivers for, and he probably shouldn't be at this point. Uh, moving on to uh, Tagovailoa has fractures in his finger, um, and that is in his throwing hand, even though it is his left. He's a lefty. Um Potentially out two to four weeks, um, including last week's so one to three as of today. Chase Edmonds' high ankle sprain, I believe, um, didn't return during the game on Sunday, and that's why James Conner had a massive week. I mean, James Conner did well anyway, but he still had a massive week. Um, but Chase Edmonds could be out for another couple of weeks. So, is that are you expecting that, more James Conner? Yeah, I think Eno Benjamin's worth a mention. Um, Oh, that truck that he had on, who was it, Drake Kirkpatrick, I believe? It was pretty special, wasn't it? Yeah. And they've said, they've already come out and said that he's going to get more of a workload than he did on Sunday. So, you know, potentially could see uh, the sort of the Chase Edmonds role. Um, Edmonds, it's one of these horrible eye ankle sprains, isn't it, where they can kind of come back after a week or two, but it can take up to five or six weeks till they're kind of fully, fully back up and running and healthy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable, you know, starting Edmonds until he is. You know, a, a week after he comes back, basically, is normally my rule with a high ankle sprain. Um, but it's 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 a painful one because I think he was having a fantastic year, um, and minus the touchdowns, which you know James Conner leads the league now in rushing touchdowns and and kept you know vulturing them away from Edmonds. Edmonds had an absolutely fantastic year, wasn't he? Yeah, he definitely was. Um, most of that came from the passing down work. So it'll be interesting to see what happens between those two now with the passing game work. Um, so Kyler Murray, high ankle sprain. He was inactive on Sunday. That's, as I said earlier, ruined a couple of my matchups because um, I wasn't around. So he could be out this week too. Um, so keep an eye out on that one because it's not looking good. Colt McCoy could be a backup there. Zach Moss with a concussion could be out this week. Um, we have seen people with concussions come back but I know that with a running back, they might want to be a bit more careful. He does play the Jets, so if he is out, maybe it's Devin Singletary uh, time, got, especially it, after three, the... Three weeks after I said that I didn't want to own him and I'd give him away for a fourth-round pick, then it's <laughs> karma, isn't it? He's going to come back and have a storming week against my Jets and uh, and make me cry. Uh, not trying to dig your, t- dig your uh, grave a bit too deep there, Rich, but... I think every running back that's gone against you has been really good. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's just Move, a, a match. moving. Moving on. <laughs> so DeAndre Hopkins as well, um, hamstring injury. He was out week nine. No news on week ten yet. And speaking of out in week nine, no news in week ten. James Robinson with a heel injury. Um, this one surprised me, Rich. I don't know whether you saw anything before the games. Yeah, so I, th- I think it was it was trending that way, wasn't it? Um, it's this, this sort of weird heel issue. Um, uh, Urban Myers come out and said today that he's expecting James Robinson to go in week ten. So hopefully he's he's back in your lineups because um, you know as someone that owns an awful lot of Carlos Hyde shares, it was it was not particularly <laughs> nice having to start him in places, especially in the dynasty listener league. That, yeah, that, that less seems awful. Less said about that, the better, Aileen. <laughs> so, Michael Gallup and Russell Wilson both potentially being activated. I think Russell Wilson is main, 
basically confirmed at this point. Um, all of the news has been that he's being he's coming back and being pulled off the IR. Michael Gallup is a bit more shrouded in mystery at the moment. We haven't heard much of it, but I have started to see reports. It feels like every week at the start of the week, it's Michael Gallup's going to play this week, and then by the end of the week, he stays on IR. So hopefully... Yeah. He's he's back playing this week because the um, one yeah. thing I will say is he's practicing. Um, I believe it was as of last week, so he. I think it's three weeks they've it's got. Three, it's twenty-one and days, then, isn't it? They have to activate uh, him, otherwise he's done for the year. So I think it's a case yeah. of if he doesn't play this week, he's he's done for the year. But don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> Not like this, Devin Singletary. Yeah, no, you, I I stand by that comment. So, by weeks, uh, the last significant news. So, Chicago Bears, who played on um, Monday Night Football, they are out on this week. So, let's see if Nagy actually does some sort of game plan. Um, <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, New York Giants, and Houston Texans. So, outside of the Bengals, I don't think you've really got massive... Um, dynasty assets that have been helping you consistently each week outside of the quarterbacks potentially. Hopefully the Giants having a buy means that Saquon Barkley can actually get healthy and might be able to play week 11 <laughs> rather than sort of dragging on this ankle injury again. Fingers crossed. Talking about bye weeks as well, the one surprise active that I had at least was David Montgomery coming back for Monday Night Football. I thought that he was going to be out till the bye week at this point and there wasn't, they weren't going to risk bringing him back but yeah it was it was a surprise for me as well i i kind of had the same logic as you why why rushing back for a monday night game you know potentially give him another two weeks rest by by not playing him but they obviously want you know he, he, he did all right he didn't do fantastic but he did all right and obviously all those khalil herbert shares that were, that were looking nice are uh, a little less shiny now aren't they um so what we're going to do this week, rather than diving into our normal risers and fallers, we thought as it was kind of mid-season-ish, um, we'd do a kind of a risers and fallers mid-season ADP review. So so what we're going to do is we're going to look back at August ADP as per DLF um, and basically talk through the, the biggest movers in terms of their value to date. Um, so we'll start positive. So we'll start with the risers. Um, so Matthew Stafford, huge riser. Um, so he was the QB 19 in August, which I'll be honest, felt, felt a little bit low. Um, yeah, I saw him taken a lot higher than that in a couple of leagues that I was in. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've I've got him at the moment. He's my QB 12 in Dynasty. Um, I think, look, the way he's looked in that offense this year, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of penciling a QB1 for at least hopefully three more years, aren't you, with the way that's going? Let's just ignore the Sunday night football two interceptions <laughs> in like he's allowed, 14 he's allowed seconds of game time. He's allowed enough week. Um, another, I guess, big riser. He's not moved much in terms of spots, in terms of ADP, I guess, but in terms of value, I think he's grossly risen um, and that was Mac Jones uh, so he was the QB 25 in August um, and I think that you know in terms of performance on the field he's probably been the most impressive um, rookie so far I think from a fancy perspective obviously he's not been incredible and I think he's certainly got a, a cap ceiling but I think it just shows this is is this three years on the trot now where the the kind of the last QB in the first round from a fancy perspective has been uh, has been the best in the rookie year. Obviously, we saw it with Justin Herbert last year, and, and last year he wasn't. Last year he wasn't the last rookie in the first round. Rich, Justin Herbert was. No, he wasn't. In, I'm talking dynasty startup or rookie okay. draft. I'm not talking okay. NFL I'll, draft. I'll let you off then. I'll let you yeah. off. Yeah. See, trying trying to pull me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the 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 you know the 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 least surprising QB riser, should we say? Uh, it was my my off season <laughs> call. Should we say it's my my best call, perhaps? Uh, and that was Tyler Heineke, who was the QB forty four in August. Uh, I was telling everybody Brian Fitzpatrick's trash. Go and get Taylor Heineke. Um, and let's be honest, Tyler Heineke hasn't been exactly fantastic, but he's returning decent value as a as a kind of a QB two, QB three in 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 spot starts, isn't he? Yeah, I think with Heineke. Um... 
you may have got the call right, but the reasoning was wrong. Um, you can't predict <laughs> injuries, um, which is understandable. I personally wouldn't have uh, thought that Heineke would have come in for Fitzpatrick if Fitzpatrick was a uh, was fully healthy. But Fitzpatrick Heineke has shown that he can run an offense to a mediocre point. Yeah, I think look. Heineke, Fitzpatrick's trash. Heineke was always going to play this year. <laughs> um, yes, okay, it, it happened via injury, but I think even if Fitzpatrick hadn't been injured, he'd have been benched by this point. Um, the biggest, I think, the biggest riser in terms of raw numbers. So Cordaro Patterson in August was going undrafted. Um, he's now currently the RB six in terms of points scored so far this year. He has been an absolute revelation. Um, you know, we discussed him, what was it, a month ago, Liam? Perfect. When we said he was he was a must-buy, go and buy him for a, t- a second-round pick. Um, I still stand by that. I think you're probably having to pay a bit more than the second-round pick at the moment. Um, I tried to buy him in a few leagues, and I've got met with, it's a first or, not, or you're not getting him. Yeah, and I'm not paying a first for him. No, I think I'd go, I'd go two seconds now. Um, I might pay, if I'm a true contender... I'd probably pay a late first for him because I just think that he's you know, thirty. Yeah, I, I but can't seven, do that for a thirty-year-old. Seven weeks of RB one production is worth a first in my mind. Uh, I can't even get if, behind it. I can't even get if, behind it. Even if he offers you nothing beyond this year, Liam, and he he he's even if he regress, regresses slightly and he's like RB twelve rest of season, okay. If you're getting what 15 to 18 points a game from a running back for seven weeks that you can get for a late first, that's absolutely a buy for me. I think where where else can you buy a running back that's going to produce that? You're you're talking like two, three firsts. But at the same time, where else are you going to buy a running back producing at that level that is also 30 years old and potentially doesn't have the the same value next year. What happens if Ridley comes back? What happens if well, the free Falcons agent, get a, a proper wide receiver? What happens when the free agent market booms with a bunch of running backs this year? I, I don't. I I honestly cannot see Patterson being much more. Yes, he will be better than what he was being drafted and what he's ever been apart from this season next year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that's not right, but. I can't pay a first for someone that has such a murky future ahead of him on what is, sorry, Falcons fans, a poor offense. I think that look, we're, ne- we're never going to agree on this. I just think no. that a late first, if I'm a true contender, I can go and get him, pencil him in as a flex, and I'm probably going to win a title with him if he's my flex. Two, two seconds I can get behind at a push. But first is just too much for me. Maybe. Anyway, as, let's as move said, on. It'll be a late one. Um, another big riser. So DeAndre Swift. Uh, so he was RB nine in ADP. Um, I think he was my RB four or five. Uh, he's he's now my RB two in Dynasty. Um, look, the people reason were off. People, the reason people were off him. I can't speak English. Um, was because of that that Lions offense, and people thought they were going to be terrible. But look, the guys. Shown that he's one of the best receiving backs in the game and he, you know, can produce fantasy points like no one else. Yeah, I thought that Jamal Williams was going to be a much bigger part in this offense. Um, I mean, he was for the first few weeks and then he's kind of died down a little bit. So uh, DeAndre Swift has completely proven me wrong. I wanted him later than the RB9, uh, but now I wish I scooped up a lot more. a lot more shares than I did at that at that price because there's no way you're getting him anywhere below RB five value uh, yeah, in the dynasty scene at the moment. Um, another big riser, so Austin Eckler. So he was the RB sixteen. He's currently the RB three in terms of points. I think people, you know, were were kind of I guess dropping him because of age, and, and he wasn't the sexy name. That he wasn't, you know, your McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, but he wasn't the youngsters alongside, you know, Taylor Swift. Gibson, those sort of tiers. So I think that's the reason why he fell. But look, he's, I called he's it. Bargain at that price. You, you 100% did call it, Liam. You are very right on that. I am um, very happy on that call. Um, <laughs> he is currently the RB3 on this season, but he will overtake Henry into the RB2 um, yeah. potentially next week. So 
the only thing I would say about him is he is getting getting up there now. So he's 26, I believe, even though he's only been a starting running back for two to three seasons. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's getting older. So what happens when you're an undrafted free agent? I think he had four or five years in college. Um, so, yeah, it's always, always yeah. going to be slightly older than people think, aren't you? Definitely. Um, another two, two other big risers. So, Leonard Fournette was an RB34. People were kind of, you know, thinking that was a split backfield. And he's basically come in and shrugged Ronald Jones and Gio Bernard to the side and, and been an absolute stud. And then a, another huge riser. We, we see it every year. There's a rookie running back that comes out of nowhere and is you know, a complete stud and, and it's Elijah Mitchell was the RB69 in August. Um, I'll be honest, it's it's hard. I'm finding really hard to value at the moment. I've got him as my yeah. RB29 at the moment. I think I probably need to bump that up a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, look, look, he's, it'll be interesting to see Jeff Wilson's back, whether he's going to carve into the workload a bit. But this week, He's, he saw more of the passing game than he has done so far. So uh, so I think that Elijah Mitchell is certainly an interesting one-to-one going forward. Yeah, Mitchell, I, I struggle with value-wise. Um, I had a question posed to me whether I'd accept a 22-third for him. Um, and I said, yes, I'd prefer a 22-second. Uh, but if I can get a 22-second for him, sorry, um, if I said third. But yeah, if I could get a 22 second rather than a 23 second, then I'd take that. But I'm not overly confident with Mitchell going into the future. I did say that he was, I believe it was my first pod when I came on with you as a guest, um, when we were talking about stuff before the draft. Um, that Mitchell, I wouldn't be surprised if he did well with his profile that he's a rookie profile but um as soon as he went to San Fran I was not touching him because I didn't like that that backfield even though as you always said if you can get the RB1 in that backfield then you're you're going to be looking at RB1 potentially every week but it just depends on whether you can actually guess who it is going to be and I think when Trey Sermon eventually gets into some sort of NFL rhythm and Wilson's now back. Maybe Hasty sees a little bit more work than he has been, but maybe that's that ship has sailed. Um, and even most if he comes back this season, I don't know whether he will. Um, no, I, I can't remember what the injury was. He had, but... he had surgery, didn't he? So I think I oh, did. He? Okay, yeah, missed yeah. that. So I think for me, I'd I'd need more than the second to be selling Mitchell right now. I think I'd 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 if I'm selling. I think I'd probably need two seconds. I don't see why I'd be selling for just one personally, but I, I'm, I'm quite a believer when it comes to Mitchell. I have to say I've been really impressed, and I think he fits that scheme absolutely perfectly. Moving to wide receivers, um, so a, a big riser. I think, look, let's be honest, anyone that listens to anything I say, um, I, I wasn't surprised that he's a big riser. Uh, so Deontay Johnson, he was the wide receiver 18 in, uh, in Dynasty Value, in ADP, sorry. I had him as my dynasty wide receiver 11 to start the season. He's still my dynasty wide receiver 11 as we speak. Um, but look, the guy's, the guy's just producing when he's on the field. I think he's top 10 in points per game at the moment. Um, and I think that look, he's, he's probably going to see an, an upgrading quarterback next year, whoever that is. You know, even if it was me at this stage, I feel like I'd be an upgrading Big Ben. Um, but yeah, look, Deontay's a, an absolute stud. Yeah, um, I was right there with you with saying uh, Deontay was going to be better than what he was being drafted at. But I won't hide behind the fact that I wanted Juju everywhere um, because he was cheaper than Deontay was. Um, Unfortunately, injury took that away. But Deontay's shown that with or without Juju, he's going to be the target hog in that offence. And let's see what happens next year when he does have that potential QB upgrade because there are a couple of good QBs on the on the free agency market um, or the Steelers could be even going for a draft pick uh, seeing if they can get a QB in the draft so let's see I still like him regardless because he will be demanding the targets I can't see anyone getting as many targets in the offense as him yeah yeah absolutely uh, and then I guess the biggest kind of stud 
shall we say, surprise stud. So Cooper Cup was the wide, wide receiver 26. He's obviously the wide receiver one at the moment and wide receiver one by quite a long way. He has been absolutely incredible this year. Um, and yeah, if, if you were getting him at wide receiver 26 prices, that's uh, you're sitting pretty, pretty, pretty happy right now. Um, yeah, um, I, I think Cup was a surprise to everyone of how well he's doing. I preferred him over Woods this season, but again, I had no idea he was going to be the wide receiver one. I thought he was going to be a middling wide receiver two at best. So, yeah, um, that's again a surprise. And then two guys that absolutely boomed to start the season and, and are slightly starting to fade away a little bit at the moment. So it's Debo Samuel, Mike Williams. Uh, you know, they were up at wide receiver two and three to start the season. They're sort of falling away slightly as we're starting to see the other pieces in those offenses come to uh, come to the table. But yeah, again, absolutely paying the the value that you got them. Um, Michael Pittman, we talked about him last week, so we won't go into too much detail. But he was the wide receiver forty five, um, and he's looking like a you know a, a solid fringe kind of wide receiver two, wide receiver three, uh, and then Hollywood Brown. So he was the wide receiver fifty four in August. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago, Liam, as, you know, is this a true kind of wide receiver breakout? And uh, I, I really think it is. I think he's still criminally undervalued. I think you can probably yeah. still go out and buy him for a random first. first. Yeah. Um, I've got him as my wide receiver 20 now in Dynasty. Um, I, I, I really think this guy's, you know, a perfect fit with Lamar. Um, he's being used in different ways. We saw this Sunday. He basically didn't run as many deep routes and was instead being used as a kind of yak guy, you know, standing around the line of scrimmage, get the ball in his hands and, and watch everything go. It's really interesting to, to see him go. Yeah, I, I think with Hollywood Brown, I think anyone is lying if they did say that they saw anything along these lines. Um, I know that We've been speaking about it in one of our group chats um, with a couple of other guys off Twitter, so like Tom, um, uh, T-Strack, uh, as people might know him on there, and the fancy wild card guys. I love the fact that Brown has broken out, but the only thing I will say is I thought Bateman was going to take away from Brown, and he hasn't. Bateman still had his targets. He still got, 20, I think it was just under a 20% target share. Um, in the last game, and Brown still had a 30% target share. Uh, that passing attack is going right now, and I don't know whether it stays like this, but at the moment, I think both of them are, are pretty good buys because I don't think Bateman's being valued um, as what he potentially could be in the future right now. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the obvious question is what happens when... Uh when the two running backs in, in J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards comes back and they can hopefully get some sort of running game going again. Um, I think that Hollywood Brown's the kind of guy that he can win you a week in one play, can't he? Um, yeah. And I think that at, at the value that you're having to pay him, I think he's probably still like a wide receiver three in terms of value. I think people are valuing him in that sort of wide receiver 30 to 40 range, which is criminal for a guy that's the wide receiver six at the moment. It's, uh, it's absolutely obscene. Um, and then the biggest tight end riser, so Mike Gesicki, he was the tight end 10 in August. He's currently the tight end three in terms of points scored. Um, it's going to be really interesting because he's a free agent at the end of the season. And uh, this is a guy that lines up as a wide receiver like 85% of the time. So it'll be interesting to see if his uh, his contracts, they try and argue that he's a, he's a wide receiver rather than a, a pure tight end. It'll be interesting to see where he goes because you really need an offense that will use him in that way. Um, but if you're paying for Mike Yasiki, I suppose you know that you need to use him as that that type of guy anyway. Um, he's basically yeah. like Eric. He's basically being used like Eric Decker as that big slot. You know, yeah. it became it became fashionable. Yeah. Michael Thomas was that to a certain extent in New Orleans a few years ago. And that's basically what Mike Kosicki is. He's, the, he's a, a big slot that can stretch the seams, run those traditional tight end routes, but isn't lined up with his hand in the dirt. He's basically just being used as a as, as a big slot. Um, so diving into the negatives, so the big fallers. So we'll start at the quarterback position. So we've lumped in four guys together here. So we've got Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Tua Tagovailoa. Um 
so I mean this this comes back to my one of my favorite kind of drums to beat is that the most overrated thing in dynasty is quarterback age and that these are four guys that were being valued as fringe QB1s early, you know late QB1s early QB2s and now I think if anyone's got any of them in the top probably what 12 15 I think I'd be gobsmacked um yes there is incredible tantalizing potential with all four of them um but from a fancy perspective they're absolutely not uh, not recouping on the value that you'd have to pay to acquire them right now yeah, I liked Wilson before the season. I think he was going QB 19 um, earlier on in the offseason. I like that value there. Um, I think that was the highest I ever took him. And Fields and Lance in startups were completely unattainable for me. I, I didn't get any shares in startups because I preferred the proven production over the, the rookies. I will okay. say Lance... I. I'm concerned that we will see him at the end of the year and I'll lose my bet to uh, to Tom over um, what, what is it? Best Ball UK NFL or NFL UK? I forget whichever way it's around. But yeah, um, we've got a bet that we won't see Trey Lance until um, either Jimmy G's injured or San Francisco are mathematically out of con- uh, contest for a playoff spot. So... I'm concerned that we'll see like Trey Lance just before that. But yeah. Makes you wonder how bad he's been in practice that Jimmy G has looked pretty poor. You know, if you look at PFF, he's got the highest number of turnover by if he plays and, and I think the lowest uh, percentage of, of big time throws. He's he's not been great, um, but they're still rolling him out over over Trey Lance. Um moving to the running back position, so I guess the first two are, are kind of fallers based on injury, really. So Antonio Gibson, he he, he, he got us all tantalised, didn't he, week one? He had <laughs> that, that incredible week one where he saw highest target share, JD McKissick did nothing, everybody suddenly thought, oh, Antonio Gibson's going to be CMC 2.0, as, uh, as Ron Rivera once said. And, uh, yeah, JD McKissick came back, Antonio Gibson's been injured and, and he's not really produced. And then down in Philadelphia, Mal Sanders... He was the RB21. I think he kind of paid off that value-ish when he was healthy. He was, you know, not a dream start, but he was plugging out 10 to 15 points a week and, and was a solid kind of RB2. Uh, and then obviously he's got injured and, and suddenly Philadelphia started running the ball, which uh, I can't quite get my head around. Yeah, I think Gibson um, has surprised me, but we'll see what he's like after the bye week this week, um, after the bye week this week, because he really struggled with his injury from what I saw anyway. It didn't he didn't look right at all. He's playing um, stress 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 stress. Uh, it can't yeah. exactly be can't exactly be a nice injury to be playing on, can it? So um and then on Miles Sanders as well. Um I took him in a couple of leagues um when I missed out on Montgomery um as that solid RB2, RB3 flex play. Uh he's I in a couple of leagues I just can't play him there. Like He's just not been that good at all this season. So, um, and then the, the biggest running back faller. So we've talked about him already. Trey Sermon. He was the RB twenty three in ADP. Um, yeah, that one that one hurts a little bit. Um, I don't think I've I've got any shares, but it, to see I've him zero. basically basically be a forgotten man is uh, is is painful to watch. Do you, do you have hopes that he will recruit some value and eventually get? The potential to play or do you think he's he's a, a dumb i think it's tough after year one to say anything on this like you've got to you got to remember aaron jones before he got his chance had two years sat behind ty montgomery a converted wide receiver at running back so um maybe he does do something but i uh, i don't see it i thought rb23 was too high anyway um but yeah, Sermon, I I can't see it going forward, to be honest. He didn't look good. And Elijah Mitchell, who was taken three rounds later, has outperformed him in every way. So. Yeah. And then the wide receivers, so no surprises, Calvin Ridley was the wide receiver eight. Obviously, he was underperforming, um, but has now taken his, his mental health break. So hopefully we see him back on the field and, and he can start to you know, show that he's the, the truly elite dynasty asset that we all hoped. Um I think my biggest disappointment this year, so Alan Robinson, he was the wide receiver 15, which felt a bit rich at the time, but 
yeah, that was that was incredibly uh, rich because he's he's plummeted, and I'm not sure you'd even get a second round pick for him at the moment. Um, Brandon Ayuk, this this one look, he was the Warriors Super 16. I had very high hopes for him. He uh, he he fell into Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. We kept calling him a buy, kept calling him a buy, kept calling him a buy. And it finally feels like Liam, the last two weeks, he's starting to work his way out the doghouse. He's starting to get that, you know, around 20% target share and, and start producing. Do you think that he can get back to that fringe wide receiver one value that, that we saw? Yeah, so I was um, ready to jump in when you were re- referring to us saying that he, he was a buy, uh, to jump in and say that he still is a buy, go and get him. I'm trying to get him in most of the leagues that I can. Um, I do think that he gets back. We have no idea what this offence looks like next year with Trey Lance at the helm. So that's what I'm banking on next year. Um, I do think people are maybe being a bit overly harsh on Ayu considering what we saw out of him at the end of last year. But yeah, I, I think that Trey Lance will breathe a, a new um, beginning at San Francisco next year. And whether that means good news for Ayuk. Um, at least I'm hoping so for those leagues where I'm going to try and buy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then I guess we can we can lump these three in a, a, a single tier, and it's the old the old guard. So Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. So Michael Thomas, are we ever going to see him play again for the New Orleans Saints? I think he, no. He, might be a case of he needs to find a new home because it's yeah, it's very strange whatever's happened there. Julio Jones just can't seem to stay healthy. I'm, I still really want to see him and AJ Brown offense. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's it, it would have been nice to see, you know, the three physical freaks in terms of Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Derek Henry all firing, but it looks like we're not going to see that. And then look, Odell Beckham has had far too many words said about him and typed about him over the last week. I'm a little bit fed up. There's a part of me that hopes this is kind of Randy Moss to the Patriots 2.0 and we see this incredible resurgence of a career and he's going to go back to being that elite stud. Um, part of me also thinks this could be Randy Moss to, was it the Titans he got traded to and then back to the Vikings to end his career? And, uh, and he kind of pitted out and, and did nothing. So, um, yeah, less, less said about Odell Beckham, the better, I think, Lynn. Yeah, I think that was one thing we purposely didn't put on the significant news because we knew we were going to talk about it later point anyway um he's still going through waivers at the moment so we have no idea whether he's going to be claimed or whether he he got, he's going to be able to choose his new team but i don't want him in any leagues i've got him in one and i'm not happy about it um i did think he was going to bounce back and then talking on julio as well just I've got him in one league and I just want him to do something so badly because I traded away Cooper Cup for him thinking oh. Oh, yeah I got it. I mean there were other pieces involved and I thought I got a great deal um and now I'm stuck with Julio Jones I'm still at the top of that leaderboard that, um that's gonna hurt so yeah I, I'm still doing well but yeah trading Cooper Cup for Julio Jones in that deal isn't good no, absolutely. Uh, so diving into players of the week, Liam. So we we hinted about him earlier in the uh, the pod when we talk about high scorers. So your star of the week. So my star is Jonathan Taylor. Um, sorry to talk about your Jets yet again and probably slander them a little bit more, but he scored thirty three fantasy points. RB two on the week. Uh, he had nineteen carries for one hundred and seventy two yards. That's something that we don't see from running backs very often at all and I mean across the entire NFL you probably expect it from um, Derrick Henry going to play against a really poor offense uh, or really poor defense sorry but it's certainly something I didn't think Jonathan Taylor could produce on just 19 carries and that to me is crazy he also scored two touchdowns and then he still had two receptions for 28 yards the only thing I will say is he did have a fumble. So for me, the thing I really wanted to talk about with Jonathan Taylor today was looking at his whole season, he's been incredibly efficient. So he was he's the RB2 on the season. He's got um, 821 yards for eight rushing touchdowns. 
only 140 attempts. He's got a 5.8 yards per carry right now. Behind um, behind Derrick Henry, I don't think that anyone is anywhere close to his total yards or his total rushing yards. And Derrick Henry's got, I think it's about 80 more rushing attempts. Uh, he's only about 200 yards ahead. I mean, Derrick Henry was still on for an incredible season, but the efficiency coming out of Jonathan Taylor, do you think he can keep it up? Yeah, absolutely. I think that look, we, he's not going to he's not going to produce like he did against the Jets every week. But no. the really, I guess, interesting thing for me is that Thursday was the first time the Colts have started all five of their starting offensive linemen together this year, and it was men against boys. Like, yes, the Jets up front, you know, the defensive line is all right; it's got a few interesting pieces, but their linebacking core is absolutely trash. But they they were creating, you know, it's part of the Red Sea at times. And I think that that was talked about as being one of the best offensive lines in the league. And they've had a series of injuries. Obviously, Eric Fisher was coming back from, I want to say, the Achilles tear. So yeah. didn't start the season. Now they're all healthy and functioning. If they're as good as they showed on Thursday, look, Jonathan Taylor, it doesn't matter that he's not getting the opportunity share. If he's going to keep being as efficient on touches, I think, look, I moved him up to me. He's my overall RB1 in Dynasty now. Um, I really think that he's a top two, top three back this year. Um, and I, th- I think look, he's, he's wheels up. I think, yes, he's he's not going to get the CMC, Derek Henry-style workload. They are going to still sprinkle in Naeem Hines. But look, if he can get 15 to 18 carries plus chucking you know three four targets a game I, I really believe that he can be behind that offensive line in that offense uh top two or three running back week in week out yeah I think with Jonathan Taylor as well the thing that I like about him so much is he reminds me of Aaron Jones and Aaron Jones's efficiency like you still see Naeem Hines getting his snaps getting his targets um, and getting his rushing attempts like for some reason they still bring in Marlon Mack every so often but Jonathan Taylor is still being extremely efficient, and that's what that's what Aaron Jones has been for the past two to three years. Is even though he's on a 60 percent uh, snap share, he's still being extremely efficient and producing running back one um, weeks and seasons. So let's see whether Jonathan Taylor can keep this up and he becomes the running back one this year. Yeah. So then my star of the week. Um, so this is a guy that I think is a, is a sneaky buy for a contender, and that's Joe Mixon. Uh, so he produced 28 points. Uh, he did that on only a 62.1% opportunity share. Um, he obviously saw that 12% target share. And so far, he is RB4 on the year. Yes, that's buoyed by the lack of a bye week. But he's averaging 17.7 points per game. Um I, I really think that Joe Mixon is the kind of guy that you can go out and buy as as a contender that can kind of tip you over the top. I think people look at him as an elite talent, but they're never going to throw him in that RB1 conversation. I truly believe that you can probably get him for a first and a second in most leagues. I don't think you're even having to pay him kind of two first range. Um, and I just think that you could easily help you know if he's your rb2 even if he's you're playing him in a flex league um he's the kind of guy that can help win you titles because i, I really think he's part of a, a fantastic offense and and they've shown now that they they're going to give him a full workload yeah i i loved mixing in the offseason at the price that he was going at people forget that he's still got a three-year deal um i don't know whether there's any outs in that deal so that might look a little bit differently but he's still got three years left on his four-year deal um, after this season um, looking at his average points per, per game he is ranked ninth at the moment so that's still extremely good for the price that you are getting him at um, this is the guy that I prefer to spend my first on rather than Cordell Patterson sorry Rich but oh, if I'm I, spending I, a first I want Mixon over Patterson oh I, I, I would never disagree with that at all but I don't think you're getting Mixon for just a contenders first I think you need to be paying more than a first. I think you need to be paying a first and a second, if not probably a little bit more, to get Mixon. Whereas I don't think you're having to do that to get Patson. 
Yeah, understandable. Anyway, a little bit off topic there. Spotlight player of the week, Liam. Now, look, we, we had a chat. I wanted to go one direction. You wanted to go another. And basically, you threw your toys out the pram unless we could talk about Jordan Love. So uh, I've, I've seen you. You're talking about him for the last two days on Twitter, trying to convince <laughs> yourself that the future is bright beyond Aaron Rodgers. I feel like this is a little bit of a, you know, a therapy session for you. So the floor is yours to talk about Jordan Love. Let's just clarify this, Rich. I created the show sheet. I put Jordan Love in with a question mark, as I do every week. I'll put in suggestions in every box that we need to talk about. And you didn't comment on it or anything. I had to ask you whether you wanted to talk about him just to make sure that you wanted to. I suppose it is a little bit of a therapy session for me after Sunday. Um, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, I'm not happy that you haven't watched the game because I wanted to get your opinions. But Only, yeah, I've, I've started I, with the good games. I'm working my way through the week. Understand why it wasn't game, awful so obviously game. That, that, that game falls down the list, unfortunately. That, that was an awful game, so I, I get that. It was much more of a defensive game and lack thereof an offence, shall we say. Um, so his stat line isn't great. He only scored 11.9 points. He had 34 passing attempts on 19, uh, with, with 19 complete, completions, sorry. He had 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception, um, five rushes for 23 yards. So he's got a little bit of rushing upside. Um, not a huge lot, but he can do stuff with his feet. Um, the thing that I really wanted to talk about was people are going to see this stat line. They're going to see that the Packers only scored one touchdown. Um, they, they're going to assume from just his points that he wasn't good. And by all accounts, he wasn't. There, there are plenty of things that I don't think he did well on. So a massive thing for me was um, accuracy. He was throwing balls, even though they were getting to the receiver, they might have been slightly behind, slightly in front, making that catch a lot harder for a receiver to make when they're in stride. The big thing that I really wanted to point out, which I don't believe people are going to ever see unless they do a little bit of digging, is initially that the Chiefs were um, credited with 14 pressures in the whole game that's a great stat for any defense anyway upon further review by pff love was pressured on 28 of his 39 dropbacks that is insane for any defense that's 71 percent of his dropbacks he had a defender pressuring him as he was throwing that that to me is insane the packers had no um the Packers had absolutely no answer for any blitzes that were called. Um, There's a massive difference between blitzes. I believe he Love only completed, I think he was six of 17 um, passes on uh, on plays where it was blitzed for about 30 yards. Everything else came on a non-blitz play. Um, that O-line was terrible. Like Lucas Patrick, our centre, scored, I think it was a preliminary score of less than three um on a grade from pff bearing in mind if you don't know the pff grading system it goes up to 100 starts at zero so that says everything you need to know um yeah i i want to i want to know your reaction to this rich because i think the stats are there for when he's not pressured and when that offensive line i mean they didn't have david batiari either the best lineman um so i want to know your reaction because the stats are there for when he's not being pressured, and I think it was a hard game for him to ever come into. He's he's only ever had Devontae Adams for two practices. He, Adams wasn't there in the off-season this season. Um, he wasn't there for the majority of this week. So, yeah, I, I just want to get your opinion on this because I want, I'm trying not to be a Packers homer. Look, I, I've never really loved Jordan Love, the player. I didn't like him coming out. I thought... The Packers trading up and taking him in the first round was absolutely ridiculous. I thought he was a you know a third round pick kind of development prospect. However, for the last two years, I've absolutely loved Jordan Love, no pun intended, the <laughs> um the dynasty asset, because this is a guy that I think you can go out and buy for a second round pick. I think you can probably buy 
even less now after his performance in terms of statistical yeah. performance on Sunday. And this is a guy that, look, I hate to say this, Liam, but Aaron Rodgers is gone at the end of the season. There is no world in which Aaron Rodgers is back. Okay. The team is in a completely horrific situation from a cap perspective. He's gone. Devontae Adams is gone. They're starting again. Okay. But Jordan Love will be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers next year. At that point, he almost immediately becomes worth a first in Superflex Leagues. Okay. So just from a perspective, you don't even need to like the player. You can go out and buy him for a first round uh, for a second round pick probably right now, and he's worth a first in what six months when Am Rogers moves on. I think yeah. look, as as a an asset play, he's a fantastic buy. As I said, I don't like the player. I don't think he's ever going to be a competent, you know, average NFL starting quarterback. Um, sorry to say, Liam, I think he 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 misses too many throws. I think he makes too many bad reads, and I, I think that. He doesn't yeah. have the elite arm talent to get away with it. Um, but he's going to be a starter there for at least two years. And, and at that point, as I said, he's worth a first-round pick in Superflex Leagues. The one thing I will say is he made some awesome throws. Um, yeah, they weren't perfectly accurate, but there is one sidearm throw where he threw it around a defender and it was just outside of Devontae Adams's reach. Um, maybe that's just me getting excited by any little flash, but... Um, at least he's showing something so let's move on to the listener questions so we've got um, a couple so those that we won't get around to will respond on the um, Twitter thread so first of all we've got Martin at Lucky Fantasy Guy asks with Elijah Moore and Javante Williams breaking out is it a good time to sell what are their values he's been offered a 2022 first and 2023 first for Javante would you take that deal so Personally, think, in one QB, I turn that deal down um, in one of my leagues. Uh, Superflex becomes a different story. I don't know about you, Rich. I don't know where I actually value them at the moment, but I think they're really polarising players to value. So I, I love both these guys. Javante Williams, I've got. He's my RB12 currently in Dynasty. Um, so I've got him as a value of an early first in Superflex or kind of around two two firsts, probably a little bit less than two firsts, sort of random firsts. So, yeah, if it's two firsts in a super flex, I'm taking that as with you. If it's two flex, two firsts in a um, one QB, I'm, I'm probably leaving that alone. Elijah Moore, I, I, I'd need a mid first now to, to make that worthwhile. Um yeah, I think that's 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 kind of it. I, I think in terms of whether we sell them, um, I don't think it's now's the time to sell. I think that they're not going to lose their value over the next few weeks. Um, and if anything, they've only got the the opportunity to appreciate in value. And then when we get into off season, all you know, we become age, Twitter and Dynasty community becomes age obsessed, and we'll see them fly up, you know, ADP boards and rank boards because they've they're a sophomore player. So um, for me, I'm, I'm holding both of them. Um, so Liam, the, 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 the winner of our dynasty roster review um, and with the, the best question. So it is John Latecki Jr. Who's asked us a question over on YouTube. Uh, so he said, what do you think of Tom Brady? He's coming off a bye. So is Washington, but it feels like a good matchup for Brady. What do you think? Do you think he's a must start this week? I think he's a must start anyway, but yeah, this offense at the moment is clicking. He's meant to be getting AJ um, Antonio Brown back, sorry. So I personally starting him everywhere anyway, but this matchup just solidifies that for me. Um, yeah. Washington haven't been the defense we thought they were going to be. Um, start all your books, in my opinion. Apart from Ronald Jones, he's still in the doghouse. <laughs> so. Tom Brady, uh, I, I haven't published my ranks yet. They'll be going after the show. But Tom Brady's currently my QB4 in redraft this week. Um, so the way I work out adjusted fantasy points against Washington are actually the 32nd ranked team um, in terms of <laughs> adjusted fantasy points against. So look, they're, they're dreadful at stopping opposing quarterbacks. I think Tom Brady's an automatic start, but I absolutely love him this week. 
Um, I don't know what time that that game is, whether they count as the red zone competition, but I'll, I'll potentially be eyeing them up for uh, for some, some DFS on Sunday. Um, but I'm sure the DFS guys will cover it much more. So um, so whilst we're talking about it, they, we've got the exclusive free roll on fan team again. Um, listen live to the, the DFS pod on Thursday or live stream. They will be able to uh, highlight much more. Um, also, don't forget Manscaped. You can get 20% off on worldwide shipping by using the code 5YARD. And so first of all, John Latecki Jr., drop us a DM on Twitter and Liam and I will organise the uh, the Dynasty roster review for you. But if you're interested in getting that exclusive 5YARD Rush T-shirt, um, you can DM us the password, which is whatever the cocktail of the week was for Liam this week. Uh, you've got till 6pm on Sunday. There it is in his lovely, he called it a martini glass, but I'm pretty sure that's a champagne glass. Um, no, champagne flutes are much thinner. Ah, uh, see, that's the difference. That's a champagne flute, but I'm pretty sure that's a champagne glass. Oh, yeah. We won't dig into it now. We're an uh, hour and five go. minutes. Now, now we're an hour and five minutes in the pod. I can drop my, my little nugget of wisdom, which I'm pretty sure the rumour has it that the champagne glass was modelled on Marie Antoinette's breasts. So there you go. I won't be Google. able to challenge you on that, and I really don't want to Google it. So, <laughs> Fantastic. And on that, guys, I think we'll end the pod. So thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for those who sent in questions and uh, commented like whilst we were going along. Uh, it's been fantastic to have you all. And best of luck. We'll see you again next week. live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.